Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners, podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, but I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's probably something much deeper that you're not likely even aware of yet. It's like a client that comes to you saying that they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGuru's Agency Freedom Session, where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your agency freedom session today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Mike RC. He is the founder and CEO of Loud Rumor, an agency that's served over 2,000 fitness studios and wellness companies throughout the world. After spending seven years in the fitness industry himself, Mike started an ad agency in 2009, and in 2016, he began exclusively working with fitness studios and wellness companies. Mike is also the host of a top fitness business podcast, The GSD Show, top entrepreneur podcast, The GOAT Show, and of a top fitness studio business conference, GSD Con. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Brent. So Mike, can you paint us a picture uh, for our listeners about your agency, Loud Rumor, today? Like, what is it like to be there? How many people do you guys have? Can I describe the business for us? Yeah, so we, uh, we're an agency that helps fitness studios from all over the world grow and be successful. Um, we've got 46 employees right now. and um, I think we've got an incredible culture, uh, the way that we connect. We've had to go remote recently, obviously, with everything that uh, that's going on in the world. And uh, we've maintained uh, really good results throughout, both internally with culture and then externally with our, with our members. Yeah, everything we build, everything we create is 100% focused on helping fitness studios and gyms grow and be successful regardless of uh, the state of the economy or whatever else is facing us right now. And I'll definitely want to talk to you about how you've been helping your clients evolve with what with with the shutdowns. I mean, gyms have been massively impacted. But I want to kind of go back in time a little bit. One of the things that we are huge advocates for is seeing agency owners uh, really find their market and own their market and and have a targeted niche to go after. Because I think it creates a lot of potential to systematize your marketing systems, your sales systems, your fulfillment systems. Did you start Loud Rumor focused on gyms or was that an evolution for you guys as an agency? No, it have, we evolved to that. So Loud Rumor initially started out as a um, like a web design company. And then from there, we wanted recurring revenue and we knew that it was important. So we weren't getting that with websites. We could have done website maintenance and stuff, but that was very a lot of trade-offs. So we got into the SEO game, search engine optimization, and then 
Uh, from there, you know, there were a lot of penguin and panda updates and hummingbird updates and all these algorithm updates that happened around 2011, 2012, 2013 that changed uh, a lot of what you had to do in order to keep up with getting good results there. So from there, uh, in order to get the same end result, which is being ranked on Google, we started doing Google Ads, which was Google AdWords at the time. And then um, Facebook came around and we started doing Facebook heavier around 2015. And then uh, 2000, well, end of 2015, we started 2016 committing to the idea of we're just going to go focus on a niche. And uh, actually, you know, I'll take that back. About three months prior, we focused on dentistry because we already had 11 dentists out of the clients that we had. Uh, we had 42 clients at the time. And um, <clears throat> truth is, I just hate the dentist. Um, I don't like... <laughs> I don't think we have one of dentists that listen to the programs. So that's okay. I mean, I don't hate dentists as people. I hate going, I have a fear. I have a real, like, I have to choose my dentist based on them being okay with giving me laughing gas for cleaning. And, um, you know, I go every three months just so that when I go, I have nothing to, they have nothing to do. So, um, so it's less fear for me. But yeah, it's the only thing I'm really afraid of. And so I'm like, this is kind of hypocritical for me to help the people actually avoid wanting to do more and more with. So, um, that didn't really work out well. And, um, then we said, you know, what do I really love? What do I care about? We took on a fitness studio. It did really well for them, much better than we've done for any other industry. And so I took on a couple other studios that were friends of mine uh, to see if it was a fluke. I did it for free just in case. And uh, we did really well for them. Same thing, remarkably well compared to others. And so from there, we wear off. And I, I was in the fitness industry for seven years prior. And I was, I was pretty good at it. I was running a lot of the clubs and fitness businesses that were here in Arizona and so selling and helping fitness studio owners sell was something I was good at. And uh, so from there, we evolved a lot more. I interviewed a ton of people, ton of fitness studio owners. We had them come in. We had them working for us. And um, now we not only uh, help them with their marketing, but that's really just a piece of what we do now. Now we have an entire training suite and coaching programs and everything to help trainers uh, not only know what the most successful fitness businesses in the world are doing step-by-step, step, but how they can easily implement them as well and reach the same level of success. That's awesome. I, I love talking about that evolution because I think a lot of people, when they hear about somebody niching, like whether it's dentists or gyms, they, they think to themselves, well, you know, I don't want to just build websites for gyms. For, you know, I don't want to just do the same thing every day. And, and what I'm hearing from you is you, you started there, you kind of got into the market, you learned what they needed. But then as you learned more about what makes those fitness studios successful, it wasn't like you stopped at websites or even SEO. You started adding in you know, more services to get them even better results, including going as far as coaching and training, which, you know, to me says that, you know, mar niching in a market doesn't close the opportunity, but it sounds like for you guys, it actually opened up a lot of other potential that maybe you didn't well, see prior. Yeah. To give you an idea, it took us six years to get to 42 clients when we weren't niche. And then in 18 months, we went to 500 after niching. <laughs> So that's 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 a good uh, good case study for uh, for for owning a market right there. So that's super cool, Mike. Yeah. So your market has, uh, and this is something that I've I've talked to some people about recently because they're like, oh, Brent, you guys are so into you know niching and this and that, but all these people have been hit so you know all these markets have been hit so hard, like restaurants or gyms or dentists, right? I mean, some of the ones that you're you're very familiar with. I mean, how has that impacted Loud Rumor over the last couple of months? Um, well, it forced us to to grow in a lot, a lot of areas. It forced us to start looking at things we weren't looking at. Um, it forced us to obviously go remote and so improve a lot of systems and processes that 
would not only work in a remote setting, but even just a really better way to run your operation in person. So um, it put us through a real live scenario where we had to uh, really be able to measure and track and communicate in a much higher level way. Uh, as far as our members go, yeah, I mean, it impacted Jim's heart. It's even in Arizona right now, they were opened up and then 30 days later, they shut down again. Right now, gyms are shut down in Arizona until July 27th, I believe. So, you know, we're right now at the filming of this, we're at the 10th, right? So we still got 17 days left. And then who knows if they're going to open back up, they may just do it again. So right now, about 30 to 40%, I think I've heard now, is um, of the gyms that were open prior to pandemic are now closed out of business permanently. So the truth is, a lot of them shouldn't have been open in the first place. You know, it's easy to be successful in a booming economy. A lot of people thought they were really good at what they did, but it's like bowling with the bumpers on. They were, they were, you know, they were misled to believe how good they are at bowling because even when they are doing things that would ordinarily get you in the gutter, somehow it's as easy to find yourself still hitting some pins. And um, now that the bumpers are down, AKA the good economy's away, and, and you actually have to be good at what you do to survive, what you'll notice is only really the true bowlers who have studied bowling and know how to bowl can still hit the same amount of pins they were hitting before because the gutters were never an issue for them in the first place. Um, they ne never needed the bumpers in the first place. So really a lot of what's closed down, I wouldn't say it's so much of because of the economy. I think the economy just exposed a lot of people. And I think it's going to continue exposing more people over the rest of this year. I think, uh, I think the people that were meant to be superstars and rock stars, I think they're being exposed as well too. They're being put in positions to where they have to perform. They have to be creative. They have to be resourceful. They have to be better at communicating. Um, they have to think, they have to learn, they have to adapt all these things. There's people that are born to do that. And there's people that are not. And when you're in a booming economy and you don't have to do those things, sometimes you don't. And when you're in the position to where you have to, that, uh, that ability that you had that wouldn't have been exposed otherwise, now puts you in a position to where you excel. Uh, I was actually, I so my, my business started in 2009. So it was in the previous bad economy, the worst recession of all time. And, um, you know, I, I would, I would have been considered lazy. I was called lazy by everyone that knew me. And I was, I was truly lazy. I wasn't effective, efficient. And, uh, once the economy hit, you know, I didn't even know that I was um, capable of persevering through a lot of that. So, it was cool for me to see that. It was cool for a lot of other people to see that. And I don't think if it wasn't for that last recession, I I wouldn't be interested in learning where I would be right now because I don't think it would be in a good spot. So I think it's going to expose whether good or bad, whether you were uh, meant to be here or not meant to be here. Mike, I don't take you as a particularly lazy guy. What What was giving other people the impression that you were lazy back in 2009? I had 22 jobs before I was 24. Um, <laughs> That's one, you know, I partied five days a week, six days a week. I would go out every night, every night there was a where place to go. I would wake up as late as I have to wake up to do the math and figure if I jump into my work clothes, I can make it to work on time. I never read a book. I didn't read a book until I was 34, 33 years old, something like that. I don't know. I never knew what a podcast was. I didn't know what mastermind groups were or coaching. I didn't know what a coach or a mentor was, um, unless it was around sports. Um, I didn't know what it was. So I was the average person. Honestly, I would watch a lot of TV. I'd watch a lot of sports. Sundays were dedicated to football. And uh, now I would never dedicate a Sunday to football. Like uh, what a waste of time to me. Uh, what a waste of time, unless I'm in the business, but I'm not. I read every day. I read for about an hour to two every, every morning. And 
uh, I work hard. And um, yeah, there's a lot of things that I did that I consider the, I think the average person isn't lazy by nature. They're easy, lazy by circumstance. If you give them an opportunity to be lazy, it's easy to take. And if you don't, then they have to figure it out. And some people will, some people won't. It sounds like you've kind of almost gone from one extreme to the other. Was there a, a, a moment for you where this switch happened or was it something that kind of progressed, a coming of age? Both. It was, you know, you don't just turn not lazy. You've got to build good habits along the way. And so there are habits that I have now that I didn't have last month. There are habits that I had last month that I'd have two months before that. So, you know, you, you got to continuously compound all of your good habits and and you can compound good habits just like you could compound bad habits. You know, if you were a really good athlete in school, I mean, how many people did you know were really good athletes in school and, you know, they were decent students and uh, they had their, they seemed like they had their together. And then you check them out three, four years later and they're kind of like in the dump, like they're, they're on drugs and they're not really doing much of their life. They're working, you know, pulling shopping carts in the parking lot. Like they're, they're, they're just not in a good spot. How did that happen? That didn't happen overnight. That wasn't a switch. They, nothing. There was not one thing that happened. There was maybe something that happened that caused them to take that first habit. Could have been smoking. Could have been you know doing a line of coke. Could have been drinking. Uh, could have been you know a lot of things, right? And then that habit usually attracts other bad habits, and usually attracts people with more bad habits than you even have, which attract more bad habits, and it compounds over time. Vice versa. For me, it was fortunately the opposite. Where at the time, you know, I just I knew I wanted to be there for my son. I had a baby on the way. And so I started, you know, working harder and I got three jobs all at once as opposed to rotating them. And I was dedicated to being the best person at my job at every job I was in. And then, um, you know, started a company, um, when I had to, and, um, and I say I had to, cause my wife was now pregnant with her second child and I uh, lost her job during that time during the worst part of the economy. So, but that felt easier for me. I don't, I don't know if I would have been able to start a company a year, two years prior, because the habits that I built along the way of working hard and seeing myself being able to be better than I thought I was, I think that helped me get there and start that company with more confidence. And then from there, I was, you know, wanted to get better. So I started going to different like mentoring groups and coaching groups. And then I saw they were reading and that's the habits that those people adopted. And I was a part of that environment. So I started reading and naturally they mentioned in books, other books, and then they mentioned other podcasts and conferences and and then next thing you know, you're in the life of, wow, I'm, I'm learning every day from almost multiple angles every day. And uh, the people I'm surrounded with are like that or better. And yeah, so there's no switch, I don't think. I think it's more, of, at least for me, there's no switch. There may be a switch that turns on one habit, but just like you don't turn into a complete like lost case overnight, um, I don't think you turn into a complete like success overnight. Um, I think you've got to you just maybe start habits. And then from there, they start to compound. And I think in the next 10 to 20 years, as long as I keep on the track that I'm going, then I'll, I'll be at a pretty good place. Earlier, you mentioned going from uh, taking about six years to get you know 40 or so clients and then six months to get over 500. I think a lot of agency owners listening to this program would think about the idea of getting 500 clients even in the life of their agency as something that might give them massive heartburn. What were some of the things that you did that created the opportunity 
for that kind of scale that fast. I mean, obviously, you got to have systems to market and attract that kind of attention, but also in actually getting those clients' results delivering. I mean, going from a, you know, a couple dozen clients to hundreds of clients is a really different style of running an agency that most people don't even have the infrastructure for. So, so what were some of the things that you did to be able to create that possibility? So I just actually did a podcast about this on, on, uh, on one of my shows, the GSD show. I just did one. And it's called, um, I don't remember exactly what it's called and now, that I'm, now that I'm actually put on the spot. But it's about change. It's about, oh, the, the evolution of every gym owner. But in reality, I go I, I gym owner because we're targeting them. But in reality, it's for every person. When I started my business, that day I started, if you would have given me a, a $100,000 business at that time... I wouldn't have been able to handle it. There's no way. I wasn't good enough to handle $100,000 in in annual revenue. Uh, once we had $100,000, I wouldn't have been able to. I wasn't able to handle a million dollar company. There's no way. I wouldn't be able to. I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the wherewithal or the vision for it. And then once we became a million dollar company, I was not good enough to run a ten million dollar company. Like I just don't know. That's a whole different level. There's different levels of leadership. The way you think, the way you act, the things that you say, how you say them. And then when we hit $10 million, like that's not the same thing to get to $100 million. Like that's a whole different level. And I know that now. And so right now, I'm not good enough to run a $100 million company. There's no way we're doing 17, right? So uh, it's a whole different business. So I have to constantly change. And, I, and, and so when people say stuff like, oh, I don't want to change who I am, or I don't want them to change who I am, or you're wanting to make me somebody I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, we are. And you should want that too. Because I'll tell you right now, I don't want to be the 16-year-old version of me. That guy is very different. That guy, I changed from that time. And change is good. It's good to change who you are, unless you're changing it for no freaking reason or it's it's worse change. But for the better, it's good. So, you know, a lot of people can cook right now. I can cook. I can go in the kitchen right now and I can make a really good chicken parm. But if you told me to now go ahead and take that and run a restaurant and and do it at scale... I wouldn't even know where to start. I don't know who to hire. I don't know what positions to hire for. I don't know how many ingredients to buy, what what inventory I should have at scale to make sure things don't go bad or I have enough. I don't know that. I know how to cook a chicken parm, but I don't know how to do it for 200 people a night. And so the same thing goes with an agency. You know, you may know how to run 15, 20 people, but to to start managing 100 people, 200, 400, 500,000 people, you're going to want to learn how to run a business at a different level. You're going to want to learn how to operate at a different level. And that comes with, you know, books and podcasts and podcasts like this that we're on right now. Like people are learning that right now. They're figuring that out and, and mentors and coach people that are already doing it and then finding a way to align with them. And I spend $300,000 a year on coaching. You have no problem with it. To me, it makes all the sense in the world. Why wouldn't I, you know, because um, I'm looking to secure a $17 million business. So you know, when I was doing a million dollars, I was spending, you know, 15,000, 20,000 a year on coaching. So I, I think the, the cost of not learning the things that would bring you the profit is more costly than the cost of the things that teach you that. And so everyone should be getting, I, and I have multiple, I don't have one coach. I have like six. I have coaches for different parts of my business, finance, sales, marketing, operations, PR, HR, uh, people, culture, that kind of stuff, overall business operations. I have coaches for all of those and I have health coaches. Um, so I think all those things, you're just constantly learning and looking to learn and you get better at learning, which is good. So you, you learn to learn better. 
One of the things we talk about with our, our members is being coachable, being open to change. And I, I love this topic of being, you know, of committing to evolving yourself that you don't want to be, you know, your 16 year old self as somebody that receives so much coaching and you also do a lot of coaching. I mean, what are some of the things that you have found work really well for you in terms of being able to take other people's advice and, and maybe not having an ego in, in play in it or, or whatever, right? I'm not trying to put ideas in your head, but like, what are some of the things that you've done in your coaching relationships with your mentors that have helped you to implement and helped you to level up as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's age. I don't know what it is for everyone else. Cause I know there's people that are 17, 16 years old that don't have egos, but I think the majority of people, and I was included at 18 years old, you know, everything, you know, more at 18 than you ever will. Now you really don't know everything. You're just convinced that you do. And as time goes on, you know, when you're 25, you're like, wow, I didn't know mom was right about some of these things, the bills and how I should save. And then when you're 30, you're like, man, I didn't know you know, I should, I should have thought of that. That's, I was wrong. And when you show a 30 year old, a video of them talking at 18, they cringe. If you show a 40 year old, a video of them talking at 30, they cringe, at least if they're growing, if they're not growing. And that's one thing one of my coaches at my let taught me is at some point, you know, when you're seven and like, I have a, I have a five-year-old daughter. She is very different than when she was four. There, there, there's a noticeable difference. My 13 year old son is noticeably different from when he was 12. And what he said was at some point, the 25-year-old looks a lot like the 24-year-old. The 32-year-old looks a lot like the 33-year-old. The 46-year-old looks a lot like the 45-year-old. Now, at some point, we stop evolving at the pace that we were evolving because we stopped the education at the pace that we were being educated and mentored and coached. Now we're off on our own. and We don't have to go to school. And we don't have any parents or mentors or anybody that know more than we do leading us. So yeah, I, I, I learned around 32 or so that I'm like, I don't know anything and I need to learn a lot more than I think I knew. And uh, so that's when I started uh, learning. But I like being coached. I like being told what I'm doing wrong. I, I never... My coaches will tell you, you could have any one of my coaches on, on the show here and none of them will tell you that I have an ego or that I say stuff like I've already done that or that'll never work for me. Or even if I've done that before and it didn't work, I'll at very least say... Well, how could you see it working? Because maybe they'll do it differently. Or, okay, well, what if this happens? How would that work? And maybe see how they would overcome the challenge that I had. Because maybe I just, it's not that, like the, like the gym, it's not that the gym doesn't work. It's just, do you know how to work it? Do you know how to, the science of doing that routine of getting in shape? So, and what I also learned is if you do, because I've done this earlier in my career, and people have done it with me as, me as their coach, if you do tell a coach, Oh yeah, we've already done that. Oh yeah, yeah, we do that. Well, we do this. What happens is you shut them off. It's like you shut the faucet off. You get them almost demotivated to give you advice because they feel like they're not bringing you value, and so they just kind of stop. and uh, And that's the worst thing you can do. So, yeah, being coachable is super important. Usually, athletes are good at it, but non-athletes were terrible. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last twenty years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast so I can focus on getting my clients' results and building a successful and profitable agency. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more info at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. 
When I was hearing you talk down at uh, Digital Marketer in Austin, which now I, it was earlier this year, it feels like a, a lifetime ago because we were all hanging out in a room and 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 uh, you know within within inches of each other. Uh, you were talking about this, like, yeah, shaking hands. What is this archaic thing that we used to do? Yeah, you mentioned something that I thought was really powerful, and it was probably one of the big takeaways I had. And it really wasn't about business; it was more about my personal life of seeing yourself almost on a reality television show around the clock as a way to uh, step up and level up. Like not saying that you're on a reality show, like, like, you know, people aren't like filming you, but like when you're with your family or with your spouse, like if I was on a reality show, you know, how would I act in this moment? Uh, And I thought that was really powerful. Can you talk about that concept a little bit and how that drives you to be a better person? Well, everyone knows what they should act like. Everyone knows how they should perform because if there's an audience, they turn it on, right? So if you go, the average person goes to their, with their wife to their in-laws, they know how to turn it on. The average person shows up to a job interview, they know how to turn it on. The average person's driving and a cop pulls up around while they're driving, they know how to turn it on. They work out and one of their friends comes in and watches them work out, they know how to turn it on. Like, no matter what, you know how to turn it on. So that means you know what to do. You just... You'd rather not. Um, it's not a, you'd rather just be comfortable and do the laziest thing and the path of least resistance. So once I learned that, I learned that actually at the gym because I, I did work out hard, but I didn't work out hard. And I had an employee come and work out with me once. And I went because I wanted to prove to him that he won't be able to outwork me. And so I was sweating. I was dripping. I, I would have ordinarily stopped on my own at this point, point, but he didn't stop yet. So I was pushing and I was going through. And, and then even after he stopped, just to even do it more, I kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And I was like, I'm going to go to, I want him to think like, how does this guy do it? I want him to think that. And then I was like, after I was driving home, I was like, why would I do that? <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of an egotistical am I? And then I'm like, well, technically that could be a good thing because if I worked out like that every day, I'd be in the best shape of my life. And then I started thinking of other things. And I'm like, man, if I you know, treated my employees the way that if, I, if my coaches were watching right now or future candidates that I wanted to join the team were watching right now, how would I, how would I act? If I was running my business as if Marcus Lemonis or, or uh, Richard Branson was watching right now, how would I run my day? How would I run my morning? Um, if I were treat, talking to my wife at home as if you know, her girlfriends were watching and judging me or her parents were watching, how would I act? And so I started realizing that the reason I would turn on in all those areas is because those were the ways that were the most admired because those were the ways that actually worked the best if you did it consistently. So yeah, now I just, I created this thing where I pretend I have a camera on me. I know it's kind of psychotic, but I pretend, you know, when I wake up, I pretend the world can see me talk to my wife. I pretend the world can see me work out. I pretend the world can see me work and do my morning routine and uh, I do better. Do you find? Now it's happening. Yeah, I was gonna. I was. I'm curious about this. This is this to me. It's like fascinating because it seems like it's it's having to make that harder choice, kind of the anti lazy in in ourselves of not going the you know the path of least resistance, but almost going the path of more resistance. Is there a moment where this becomes such a habit or do you find that you just kind of get in this habit of constantly up-leveling and, uh, and, and there's always some resistance there in terms of how you're operating on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so there's not only uh, 
a physical habit that's born out of that, which is really good because then you do it effortlessly. So I want to talk about that in a minute. If you, if you can remind me, I want to talk about uh, energy and how to how to have more energy. Well, because there's a big part of that too. But what I've also learned, um, sidetracking back to where we were, what I also learned is your mind actually shifts the way you perceive things. Uh, there's a really good book called The Compound Effect, and in there, there's a there's a story that the author tells of how he and his wife were not really on good terms. In fact, I think they were on the verge of divorce. And they just seemed to argue as soon as one of them entered the room, it was like they were anticipating an argument already because that's what happens. He's habitually, he put himself in the place to where when she walks in the room, he's already, ex- he's on edge. He's expecting her to say something that would tip him off. So regardless of what she says, he'll find it annoying, frustrating, irritable, narcissistic, you know, cause that's, that's the lens he's looking at her through. And so, uh, and she would do the same. And so what he started to do instead was he made, he, he decided he was going to give her a gift. He really wanted to save his marriage. He was going to give her a gift. And, and uh, I think he was given advice by somebody to do this. He wrote in this book every day, something that she did that day that he found admirable or that he loved. So, and it could be something as, you know, the way that she talked to the children that day. It could have been the way that she took care of the dogs that day. It could have been the way she cooked, the meal that she cooked, whatever it was. And every day he was forced to find something and write it down in this book. And what happened was about three to five weeks in, he noticed that he started loving her more. And the reason he started loving her more was was only because now he was not looking for the things that are going to piss him off, which is what he was doing. He was actually looking for the things that he loved because he had to write it down. So he was looking for it. And you find what you're looking for. We're really good at that. We find what we're looking for. Uh, People that are vegans tend to find articles that support veganism. Uh, People that are anti-vegan support articles or are really good at finding articles that support, you know, eating more meat. Uh, People that are Democrats tend to find articles that more uh, support Democratic, you know, opinions and Republicans do the same with the opposite. And, you know, we're really good at finding information that helps validate our already determined opinions. And so, um, so these habits that you start creating, you tend to start enjoying working out more um, because you start, you start seeing like, wow, this actually feels really good. When I look at the gym anymore now, I'm, I'm not like, like, Oh, I gotta go to the gym. Now it's like, cool. Like uh, this gym, I can't wait to get to the gym. And same thing with eating, like the way you felt about a burger Oddly enough, it's the same way you'll feel about, you know, your favorite healthy meal that you make, whether it be like eggs and some, you know, feta cheese with some olives or whatever it is, like you look forward to it. And so, um, so anyway, yeah, I, I think there's that. Not only do you build habits around this so it's easier, but I think also you tend to find more joy and love around the things that you force yourself to look at through a different lens. I love that that takeaway of just you kind of find what you're looking for and, and just how much that applies to your not just your personal life with a spouse, but also your employees or your uh, business partner or your clients, right? If you're always kind of thinking your clients are a pain, you know, then that's what you're going to find. It's like every interaction is going to be painful versus, you know, being appreciative or admiring them. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, this idea of, of energy and effortlessly. So I wanted to kind of remind you and bring that back. What, what, what's your thoughts there? So my team made this video for me about two months into the pandemic that actually brought me to tears. Like it was a, such an awesome, awesome gift. And um, they all got together behind the scenes and they made this video where there's a compilation video 
all, all 30, 40 of them at the time, they all like chipped in and they would just say things like, you know, Mike, I, I don't know when, when you sleep, I don't know when you find the energy, um, you know, you've been such a great leader. You've done this, you've done that, you've done that. But the, the reason I bring this up is because a couple of things that stuck out were about three or four of the people brought up. I don't know where he finds the energy. I don't know when you sleep. The truth is I sleep every night, like seven hours. I actually do sleep and sometimes I'll get eight. And I have four kids and I coach um, them in sports. Not right now, obviously, but I'll coach them in sports. And uh, I spend time with my wife. We have date nights with our daughters, our three daughters. So I actually, I, you know, I, I, don't have, I don't have a problem with energy. But what I've learned is the same way you make anything is the same way you make energy. So you take money as an example. How do you make money? You, there, there's three ways where you can have more money. There's three ways. Number one, you can find ways to make more of it. Number two, you can find ways to save more of it. And number three, you can find ways to invest what you've already got. And the same thing goes with energy. First, and, and I've, this has been a lot of my homework for the last three years, because GSD, which is our motto, is get shit done. So I, in order to live up to it, um, I've got to learn how to get shit done at the highest level that I possibly can. And obviously, you can get more shit done if you have more time and more energy. And so... Um, so number one, make more energy. Okay, well, there's certain ways that you can eat and certain ways that you can, you know, uh, exercise and keep active and certain certain things that you can do on a physical level that can actually help give you more energy. So it's easier for you to make more energy than the average person would have if they didn't do those things and eat that way and eat those things. And then uh, invest. Let's go to invest real quick. Save is the secret one. So invest energy. So how can you invest energy? Well. The same thing. If you're going to, you know, uh, say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have more. I'm, I'm gonna sleep better tonight. Well, that means I'm going to put energy into creating a routine every night that makes me tired. That actually gets me like feeling relaxed, so that I can fall asleep by nine thirty every night, so I can wake up at four thirty every morning. Because the secret is not about waking up early; it's about going to sleep early. Waking up at the same time is easy because you have an alarm clock. Going to sleep at the same time is very difficult. So investing time into learning how to fall asleep at a certain time every day, that's important, as well as other things you can invest your energy into. And then saving energy. So what I've learned is uh, the most, the best way, just like with money too, right? You can make a ton of money, you can invest a ton of money, but if you keep spending it all and you don't save any of it, well, you'll have none. But the best way to have the most money is to be able to be good at conserving a lot of it. And same thing with energy. So what I've learned is if you have routines, if, if you let, create routines that guide your day, um, you don't spend a lot of energy doing anything because it's a routine. It's a habit. Habits allow you to do things without effort. You know, someone that bites their nails doesn't have to force themselves to bite their nails. They just find themselves biting their nails out of habit. Um, somebody that, you know, wakes up early and immediately meditates they don't have to force themselves like, oh, I got to meditate now. They just find themselves meditating. Um, so it's the same thing with waking up early and then immediately jumping in a cold shower. And then uh, from there, immediately writing in your goal book. And immediate, you don't have to think about it. Thinking exhausts time. It's why Steve Jobs wore the same outfit every day. He wanted to do the least amount of thinking in every area so that he could apply that energy to areas that are going to cost him energy that others may not have. And so... Um, so it, habits are, to me, the secret to, 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 to and, and it's my opinion, and from things I've learned from other people, it's, it's a big secret in how to have the most energy to continue going at full force, a force that most people can't go every day, because you 
you can get all the things that you know you need to get done in order to be successful without having to think about it and without having to use any energy. And at the end of the day, when you need your energy, you still got it at uh, almost at a hundred percent because you haven't used any of it. Now, does that make? Am I explaining that? Well, I know what I want to say in my head, but that's what I got in my. Yeah, that's dude, Mike, this is this is awesome, man. I'm I'm just like taking copious notes, and I'm like I'm like thinking about my own life of of things that you know habits that I've had that have created that energy for me, and it did feel effortless. Effortless, and then when you're trying to build up those habits or combat habits that maybe are a zapping energy from you, right? I mean, it just the even just having those negative habits not only pulls energy, but even just thinking about you know changing those has to be like a conscious effort. Uh, over time, but that's uh, dude. I love this idea. You know what? A good, a good example. I got Kobe in the background. He's one of the people I admire the most, right? And uh, if you watch his rookie years of playing basketball, uh, and you watch some of his games, the guy was like all over the court, flying, running, boom, 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 just exhausting a ton of energy. And you look at Michael Jordan guarding him, and Michael Jordan didn't exhaust nearly as much energy because Michael Jordan has built habits in time. The Kobe towards towards his end of career. He was actually just as impactful, if not more. And you're like, how does he have the energy? Well, the reason some of those veterans are able to go so long, yes, of course, they sustain their health with other stuff. But if you compare the amount of energy they exhaust in a game in their rookie year versus their senior year, it's it's, it's vastly different. Um, you know, Kobe will learn how to cover the floor with just a few steps versus running, running, zigzagging and going back and forth. Um, they learn how to conserve energy, which is why they're able to still maintain energy when they need it towards the end of the game, because they didn't exhaust a lot of it. If you still ran at 40, the way he was running at 17, 18 years old on a court, he wouldn't make it to halftime. He wouldn't make it to halftime. So that, when you see a lot of veteran athletes, what you say is, man, they make it look so easy. They make it look effortless. Yeah, it is effort to him. It's a routine. He doesn't even think about it. He just does his thing. And so uh, create, create, create habits around stuff and muscle memory around all your activities. And it is actually is effortless. It doesn't just look effortless. It actually is effortless. It's just not effortless to get there. That's awesome, Mike. I, I love this, just the make, the save, and the invest paradigms and, and giving our audience that kind of uh, lens to look at this and, and see how are they managing their energy because that right now more than ever is something that is uh, you know people are either feeling tired or burned out because of everything that's going on or in, in your case you're probably maybe more energized because you have a lot of uh, opportunity for change and, and growth and things like that right now which is which is super awesome. Mm-hmm. Mike, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. We do have a lightning round. Are you uh, ready for that? Yes. <laughs> what is the best advice you've ever received? Well, this wasn't something I was given by any one person. It's just my favorite quote, and it's a Michael Jordan quote, which is practice like you've never won and play like you've never lost. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Speaking of habits, waking up early. You'll never regret beating the sun up. Can you share an internet resource, a tool, or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Asana. It runs my day. And what book would you recommend and why? Either Compound Effect uh, by Darren Hardy because it teaches you how to build habits and compound them over time. Too many people want to do everything all at once versus building up little at a time, one habit at a time. Or Limitless by Jim Quick because it really teaches you how to learn School teaches us what to learn, but not how to learn. When you learn how to learn, that becomes a superpower that you continue doing over and over and over and over again. 
Awesome. We, we will link out to Compound Effect and Limitless on our show notes page. That's yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of and you're out on the road or on a run, you'll see Mike RC's image right up there at the top. Click on that. You're going to see takeaways, nuggets from today's episode, as well as links out to some of the tools and books that he has mentioned. Mike, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, um, we got a, a program uh, called Agency GSD, where it's, you know, I go live every week and I answer questions just like I was just doing right now um, to agency owners. So if uh, they want to learn more about that, they can message me on Instagram, uh, just at Mike RC Live. I don't promote it because I, I don't want to dilute my content. I want fitness studio owners to see who I am. But whenever I meet agency owners and they're like, hey, how can I learn from you? I tell them about that coaching program we've got and uh, they'll be in there with other agency owners and i just share a lot of what we're doing on the inside awesome and we will also link out to your instagram profile as well as as well as your agency all that will all be organized for y'all on our show notes page yougurus.com forward slash podcast you can find all those good details about mike and his company mike dude this conversation was amazing thank you so much for the nuggets i feel like i have so much now that i want to go do and implement for my own business which is always a good sign of a of an awesome uh guest for our show so thanks for stopping by the program today thank you man i appreciate it brent And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business in life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out today, I want to check on your answer to my questions from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead gen problem. Maybe it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or mobile app, but they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, I want to invite you to apply for a free agency freedom session where you can dig into those underlying issues in your business and get moving like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answer to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your agency freedom session today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.